Salut Tom, salut Steve, j'espère que vous avez un show génial, vous me faites trop rire les gars. I'm Steve Piles. And I'm back in the bunker. Yeah, the world is righted. Mm-hmm. Everybody's where they're supposed to be. I have left the outpost, and I am, uh, my bunker is a little crowded. Your, uh, uh back to college vacation experiment is over with. No more yeah. partying or panty raids and whatnot. No, no keggers, no ragers. Well, the keggers are more hidden now. No dweebies. Yeah, ah, those dweebies. No, um. Tell the truth, did, did the group of you ever get together? And just fucking start pounding beers or whatever and just get hammered one night just for the fuck of it? Uh, just because you could. Nobody could tell you no. <laughs> uh, no, we um, we got together and went down to the beach. We toyed with having a bonfire, but uh, never never got together to, like, throw a raging kegger with <laughs> the, uh, the sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wastoids, dweebies, <laughs> dickheads. The fuck? Yeah. Anyway, they, they all adore me. They think I'm a righteous dude. What is that? What the <laughs> I, I know this has got to be a reference, but I have no idea. <laughs> uh, it is. It's, you know, my advice that I can give to you is if you don't stop to smell the roses. Uh, it's from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ah, uh, gotcha. Grace. The, the roses kind of gave it away. Grace. Anyway, yeah, it's the, that's, uh, that's the list of people who like Ferris Bueller. Everybody liked Ferris Bueller. They wanted to save him. The Sportos. Yeah, that's what we had at the college. The Sportos. And the Dweebies. Yeah. Because those are uh, definitely terms people use in the 80s. If you weren't around <laughs> the 80s, just trust me. That's... You were either a Sporto, a Motorhead, a Geek, a Slut, a Blood, a Wastoid, a Dweeby, a Dickhead. You were one of them. <laughs> What's a Blood? Well, it's a gang. Well, I mean... Crips and Bloods, but... Just casually he had the, the gangs in his high school and they were just a clique. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. No, that's how it started. That's how most gangs start. In Ferris Bueller? <laughs> yes. The most feared gang of all came from Ferris Bueller, the Fromans. <laughs> Abe Froman's the man. <laughs> He's the sausage king of Chicago. Goddamn right. So, yeah, I'm back at uh, I'm back <clears throat> in the bunker, and um, last week we went without recording, so kind of by being <laughs> home, <laughs> the, the threat was looming that we wouldn't be able to record again, but we're back. Adjustment period. There's always an adjustment period. A little bit of an adjustment period. Go back to the world. We've lined up a uh, special guest. I guess I could tease for maybe next weekend. Tentatively for next weekend, we have a special guest that would like to join us. A part two? Uh, His initials are L-R. Large and recharged. He's large and recharged. He's got (laughs) some conspiracy theories that he is going to drop on us. Some Mm. new ones. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, shit. Shit you've never heard of before. <laughs> does does it still involve the moon? Because I really hope it. Oh yeah, there'll be there'll be moon stuff for sure. Nice. No, so, so in, in case anybody's wondering, this is actually news to me too. Like I did not know this was <laughs> happening. So. <laughs> well, I tried. Uh, I kind of nailed down uh, time and date with him today. Ah. So it was kind of happening on the fly. So I'd like, uh, and I think everybody'd like to have a 
an update on how he's doing? Well, the state of the world through through the lens of truth. That's what we really need. I mean, mm-hmm. it's less about him and more about the crusade. So. Uh, yes, the crusade. So do you have any updates? Uh, nothing profound. Bullshit. I know. Yes, you have an update. I know you do. You told I, me an update, and I think that you should share it with the audience. Uh, about the review? Yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty amazing, I gotta say. I, uh, somebody that I don't know, so far one person, but somebody I don't know, left a review mm-hmm. uh, on my book on Goodreads. Not on, yep. not on Amazon, which, you know, which is what I'd rather have, but whatever, it's what it is. And it was profound. Here, you I'll, want to share with everybody? I'll, sh- I'll share it verbatim. Five stars. The text is, excellent work! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. So you got three exclamation points. I got three exclamation points and yeah. five stars in two that's, words. That's not two exclamation points. That's nope. three. So you know what? For C Simplot Simplot, I don't know what the name means, but I thank you. You're my first unsolicited, I'm not going to say honest because I, I believe the other reviews are honest as well but that's my first unsolicited stranger review <laughs> and god damn it i feel good about it yeah <clears throat> good great <clears throat> how many of you guys out there have gotten five stars on something very few i would venture to guess i have received three exclamation points before though oh shit but i mean it wasn't reviewing my work i believe it was an expletive <laughs> quite quite possibly telling me to f off Go kill yourself! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! <laughs> yeah, that was about that was about. <laughs> but that's a lot of passion, one way or the other. So that's still pretty, uh, pretty good. That's what so we're I'm on my way. Mark, yo, know, if you're listening to this, mark my words. What's this? Uh, May twenty fourth, twenty twenty. By May twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, you'll be seeing me on talk shows doing the circuit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you'll be doing Letterman and yep. Jay Leno, Johnny Carson. The bitty, <laughs> Yep. Try to get. <laughs> That good. It's be Merv Griffin. They will weekend at Birdie's. Johnny Carson's fucking corpse. Stick him in the chair. It'll be me being Kramer, being Merv Griffin. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Move down, move down. <laughs> yeah, Hi. I want to see somebody make a skeleton do the weekend at Birdie's thing for my benefit. I, I don't care if it's about my book or not. Just in general, I want to see somebody take a corpse and move it around like a puppet. <laughs> because well, you know what this means. This means, since you've received a review, if you're dead, your book is going to take off. <laughs> It'll be worth something. Even That's right. Digital. Actually, I have started looking into trying to make a print version of it. I have to turn the text into a PDF, and it's this whole thing. But um, I might try to do that just to have to see if that does anything. Because some people might just want a print version, like a bunch of cavemen. <clears throat> exactly. And it's done. There's one orange crushed down. <laughs> a fallen soldier. What are you drinking over there? Ah, it's Sam Summertime because it's pretty much summer at this You're drinking Sam Summer out of a Sam Summer glass. It's cosmic. It's the way it's supposed to be. That's right, according to Sam Adams. According to merchandising, yes. <laughs> it works. Well, no, it's, it's got laser etching for bubbles. It's got a bulbous top, too. It's got a mushroom head for extra fun. Yeah, to it's got a mushroom head to put against your lips. That's right. I got to tongue that thing. <laughs> I truly appreciate a beer or how beer drives you to do things that you didn't think you were going to appreciate. But either way, salute. Uh, here, here. <laughs> now I'm in the bunker and my mini fridge 
is behind me. So if I need to get a drink, if I drop out for a second, that's just me going to the fridge to get a drink. That's okay. I'll just blather on about something. In the dorm, the fridge was right beside me, yet I still had to stretch for some reason to open it. The door opened the wrong way. <laughs> that's a failure of engineering, and that's mostly your fault. I'm just I, saying. It's all my fault. I could have put it on the other side quite yeah. easily. It's kind of sad. It's not that that became my home. I never want a, you know, I never anticipated it being longer than a couple of weeks, which it ended up being <clears throat> slightly longer than that. But, uh, you know, for what it's worth, everywhere I've gone, everywhere I've moved to, everywhere I've lived for more than a few weeks, I've really made into a home. You know, I've, I'm not like it. <laughs> I gave it a woman's touch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know i really moved in there i and it made me think of like when i was in the army when i was at fort gordon for ait i moved rooms in the same building 13 times i had 13 different rooms and i had it down to a science of how to set up my room the way i wanted it they, okay so basically the way it went in ait is uh i or the army in general whenever you're in training and there's cadre involved they don't like you to stay comfortable. They don't like you to get comfortable. So it wasn't uncommon to, like, come back from training or something like that and have your room just absolutely obliterated. Mattresses flipped, your bookcases, everything. I know this is done by the officers or holy shit. <laughs> this okay. sounds insane. So um, story time. Heck, jeez. <laughs> uh, anybody that's listening that's been in the service is going to appreciate this. Um, but so you, you arrive and... I know this is going to come as a great shock to you, but people don't like you. <laughs> what? Usually, okay, so imagine the opening scene, or not the opening, it's uh, Full Metal Jacket. Mm. Is that the opening scene with Arlie Ermey? What happens? Guys, yeah, why can't I remember, like, the first ten minutes of that movie? Does it open straight up? your war face and... Yeah, okay. So that's, and... that's a drill instructor or a drill sergeant, right? So yeah. that whole scene where he comes in, banging the trash can, and absolutely wishing death upon the people that he's in charge of. That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> like <laughs> the drill sergeants don't like you. They don't, they, they actually are attempting to murder you at any given moment. Like it would not <laughs> surprise me if they just got us all up on the roof and made us jump off. And you know what? We all would have were ignorant, but, uh, so the drill sergeants, when you get to AIT, it's a little bit more like a college atmosphere um it's not it's it's kind of like this halfway in between like actual training and like drill sergeants trying to kill you and so they can't pull all the same tricks that they did in basic but one thing they can do in order to make you so you're not very comfortable is they move you around this you're constantly uh, in a state of what the fuck is going to happen to me next? Are they going to try and kill me? Are they going to try and shoot me? Are they going to try and stab me through the neck with a pitchfork? Like, anything could happen. But usually they resort to just making you do physical activity, push-ups and sit-ups and dips and jumping jacks and all kinds of ridiculous things. And then they fuck with your material possessions. Like, if you had a radio, if you had a CD player, or if you had clothes or anything like that, it's probably going to end up at some point in time out, just fired out a window. Jesus. You, yeah, that's just, it's not college. Uh, like, yeah. I imagine that there's some sort of hazing that goes on your first few days of college. But in the military, it's literally like a drill sergeant could walk into your room, open up the door, and just empty the contents of your room out, out the window. And 
then you've then he'll probably say something along the lines of you have two minutes to go get that stuff back in your room. It's just the way it is. I don't know. It, like that's the military and people choose to do it <laughs> like <laughs> ignorant people. But anyway, that's a long way around to saying I got very used to dismantling and setting up my life over and over and over. Like it just is what it is towards the end of AIT. Uh, you know, I got a little, I was a squad leader, you know, and I got a, a two man room and that really sucked because they kept giving me people that were like smelly, stupid people that needed to be shown how to do laundry. And, you know, this is starting to fall into place. This is your lot in life is to take the retards and try to <laughs> shape them into something because that trans that, that translated right into the job that you had at the jail too. Yeah. And yep. I'm not talking about the inmates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just the way. So anyway, you there's a guy that got the really like yeah. hopeless causes for uh, trainees. Um, but when I got to the college, I had been a little bit out of practice because I've actually stayed in the same place for the last 14 years. So uh-huh. I got I got to the dorms and, you know, it took me a couple of days, but then I got everything set up exactly the way I want. Actually, no, it took me a week to to get things where I wanted them. I uh, I got it done. You know, it, I reverted right back to that military mindset. And then I got thinking, well, geez, they could come in here and tell us to get the <laughs> F out of here any second. And then I ready. had PTSD that the drill sergeant was going to walk <laughs> in the room and start firing my shit out the window. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if the, whoever the people at the college just started throwing your shit everywhere? And you just feel everybody else that people are like, what the hell's going on? You're like, yeah, no, this is the way she, <laughs> yeah, that's right. this is the way things are supposed to be. Yeah. Everything is right. So that's my little. <laughs> and you know what's funny it's well i don't know if it's funny but so i went through basic training i went through ait and i was in the military wait, wait, hold on. I, what does ait stand for advanced individual training okay. so essentially like when you sign up to go in the army or any branch of the service um but in the army in particular that's what they call it it's you choose to be a radio operator or you choose to be a radar technician or you choose to be a tuba player you know what i mean like you you know what you're gonna do before you leave for the most part. Don't mess with the tuba players either, man. They're gonna <laughs> fuck you up. Yeah, yeah. The tuba that was a that was an MOS. Anyway, so you you go to your uh, advanced individual training after basic. So M- method of sauciness. Yep. You I got it on the first fucking try, dude. Damn, I'm good. Uh, I'm gonna so anyway, promote a field marshal tomorrow. Uh, field promotion right now. You are. Uh, Field Marshal Piles. Yeah. You are the Commandant. <laughs> Lassard? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so everybody, for the most part, everybody goes to, like, infantry basic training. It's oh, two months. What the hell? Hell. <laughs> no. Uh, and uh, then you go to AIT, which is, like I said, a little bit less of hell. But then you go to the Army. So when you, we got out, I, a buddy of mine that I went in with, he went to the police academy, and it was right back to the same <laughs> thing. They have, they have cadre. We're going to back to Commandant Lassard. All right. right. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, police academy is a lot like basic training, where you got cadre that's yelling at you. They're trying to keep you uncomfortable and stuff like that. You and I was just. You got doing his hijinks, and you got yeah. Hicks with their squeaky voice, and you got, yeah. Tackle you know, Barry. high tower, fucking things up. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. like cadre. Some guys making sound effects all the time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just, I remember he was going through basic training and he was coming home on the weekend telling me that it was just like basic. And I'm like, oh, man, why would you go do that again? <laughs> anyway. 
sure some people love it, just not having to think, just somebody's going to tell me what to do, and I just got to react, and that's it. Well, and when I, when I got back to, um, back to the real world, mm. when I came home from the NOM, <laughs> no, no, when I was done basic, I, I yearned for it. I wanted to go back. I was, a lot of the stuff that you get in trouble for and a lot of the stuff they fuck with you is just because you don't know what they want you to do and they're trying to beat it into your head. So if you went into basic training knowing everything, you know, that they were going to ask of you, I can see it being a good time. Yeah. You just have to learn to do push-ups and <laughs> like it. Anyway. Well, sounds good. Yeah. I'm All sure the same thing happened to you at college. Yep. No, I can't t- count how many times I come back to the dorm room and somebody's throwing my shit out the window, and I just had to smile and take it. That's, that's the way college works. <laughs> they said it was for Jesus, because I went to a Christian college. <laughs> yeah, that's the way Jesus wanted it. What's this? A disc man? What do you listen to this? Uh, Amy Grant. Bullshit! The Throw first the CD I bought, so I went in the service in 92, September of 92, um... And the I went through basic training. After, at basic training, I finished. We got uh, like a one-day pass to go out and see our family and stuff like that and take us out to eat or whatever. I went out and immediately bought a disc man. <laughs> and I bought a CD with it. The first CD I bought was... I bet you can't get Um, First CD... Def Leppard Hysteria. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. Oh, yeah! <laughs> That's why I knew you could guess. Yeah, I I bought I bought two CDs. I listened to Def Leppard first. The other CD I bought was... Okay, so Silent Lucidity. Yep. I think that's it. That's all I got from Queens, right? Jet City Woman! No, I don't know. Do it again. Wait, you don't know Jet City Woman? Nope. Stop Do it again. what you're doing. Stop it. I can't believe it. <laughs> oh, my God. He is I'm so upset with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, let's see if we can't get this taken down. Okay, you ready? I'm 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 actually bothered. I don't know, but that's pretty solid. Actually, I want I feel like I want to look it up. That's sounds pretty it's a great freaking song. Yeah, City Woman, Empire. Yeah. I, anyway, I, I love Silent the City. I mean, that's a great songs. So. Hush uh, now, don't you cry. <laughs> I wonder if we're gonna have this taken down now because of that. Who's gonna take it down? It's not on YouTube anymore. But what if I wanted to put it on YouTube? Well, fuck them. We're small fish in a small pond. They can eat it. Yeah. So. Empire, Silent Lucidity, Best I Can, Jet <clears throat> Woman, Another Rainy Night Without You, and Anybody Listening, question <laughs> mark. So that was your second CD. I got you. Yep, those were the... I went out and I bought a, uh, a CD Walkman, and I bought Def Leppard Hysteria and Queensryche Empire. Nice. And I, I listened to them at night. <clears throat> I know the first CD I ever heard was Aerosmith's Pump. But that was my friend's brother's CD. That was like the first time I ever heard it. He's like, my brother just got a CD player. 
let's listen to the song. And I was like, what's a CD? Like, seriously, I was like, what's a CD player? I never even heard of it. <laughs> and he showed me that that was the greatest thing in the world because you could just jump to whatever song you wanted and all that shit. No rewinding. But the first CD I ever bought personally, I don't know. It might have been Use Your Illusion, the double double Use Your Illusions. Oh, yeah. It, it, I really think it might have been that. Makes sense. But I'm not sure. First CD I bought, Molly Crew, Girls, Girls, Girls. Nice. Yep. So and then I had solid I had glam sh- rock. <laughs> oh, God. All of my CDs were hair bands. Yeah. Warrant, Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Slaughter. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh. of the Angels. And then I had a lot. Of, this is going to come as a shock to you. I had a lot of music soundtracks. No, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Danny Elfman. A lot of John Williams. <laughs> Never. Mm. Yep. So, tropes. Part you know what? I, there was going to be a good segue, but we moved on. It was going to work because I was going to say something like, you know, oh, I could picture your first day of basic training just like they did in Full Metal Jacket or Stripes or, you know, so, so on and so forth because the first day of basic training is a trope that shows up in a lot of movies. I'm pretty sure. Every... So I'm rewinding it so we can have the segue, goddammit. <laughs> okay. Every single day, <coughs> excuse me, every single first day of basic training, Somebody has to say, razzle, dazzle. <laughs> That's right. And then they do Army training, sir. <laughs> yep. That happens. Every single basic training starts that way. Did you do the march where you're like, I don't Ooh, know what I've been told. <laughs> yep. Yep. Eskimo pussy is mighty called. And then uh, somebody shoots himself in the toilet. Yeah. Pretty much every basic. 100% of basic trainings are that way. That old trope. So, yes, we're doing tropes part two. We're doing it. Uh, for our, the true fans know our first episode ever was on tropes. That was us just throwing out there what we've seen in movies and TV shows and whatnot over and over again. The same ideas, the same tired cliches. But this time, we've got a whole flowering. Or at least I do. I have a whole flowering. <laughs> oh, I'll be able to extrapolate on all of your flowerings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty big. Like, you see it. It's The thing I love about examining tropes is you get to peel the layers back and see the machinery underneath and realize that it's all just one giant hodgepodge that you just plug things into. It's, it's one... There's like nothing new under the sun. It's all been done. It's over and over and over again. It's how original can you be in what has already been done, not can I figure out something that's not been done before, because you're not. It's all in there. It's all been seen. Can you, for the uninitiated, explain what a trope is? Because there are people, just like those... in the first episode... There's somebody sitting there going, what the fuck is a trope? Yeah, so you're talking about those <clears throat> non-fans of ours that haven't been listening since day one. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? Well, what about those Californian people that are messaging me left and right on... <laughs> they should be caught up by now. Uh, it's not that hard. <laughs> what the hell? It's only The new be, listeners. I think cumulatively, it's only, only got to be like 100 hours, right? Somewhere around there. That's not too bad. Start with episode That's... one. Plow on yep. through. It's all gold. It's all pure gold, so yeah. you're not going to be sorry. You won't be or disappointed. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what is a trope? A trope is like a cliche. It's like, um, so in our first episode, we talked about a couple of tropes where, like, yours you're was surprise helicopter. Like, the, the protagonist of a movie, or their back is against the wall. They're at the edge of the cliff, the edge of the building. They're somewhere where there's no hope and there's no way out. And all of a sudden, there's a helicopter. Just came up over the horizon. It's here to save the day. It's going to drop the ladder. You can jump on and get away. Or, reverse, 
you think you got it set, you're going to get away, and all of a sudden, nope, there's the helicopter with the bad guy in it. He's going to shoot his missiles at you because, surprise, it's a helicopter. Surprise. That's something that's going to, that idea, that some variance of that idea is going to come up over and over again. For me, the one thing I complained about was computer noises. Not the one thing. <laughs> one of the things I complained <laughs> about was computer noises. Like any TV show or movie you see, it has a computer in it. The computer's going to make noises that no computer actually makes. And it drives me up a goddamn wall, but it's everywhere. I'm going to explain that. Yeah. In a, I, I, in a way that will make sense. And for you, it was... The gun. Gun, Every yeah. single time a gun gets pulled out of a holster, it has to make a sound. Mm-hmm. It has to make a clicking sound or uh, the sound of, like, the slide being racked. Even though there's no motion, it has to be done. So I let me just say that Merriam-Webster defines a trope, the, the tropes that we're talking about, a common or overused theme or device. So right. basically... Time travel. Yeah, it's something that you may spot in a TV show that is used to further the plot or to explain explain away. That's what most tropes that I really recognize are things that are thrown in there to explain away certain behavior or things of the like. But anyway, let me let me get this right out of the way. Right out okay. So, sorry to be starting my sentence with the word so. <laughs> which... If you're a long-time listener, you know what that's about. <laughs> I was doing a little research on this topic, and I came across probably one of the best explanations I've come across from somebody that actually does sounds, sound effects in television. Uh... This person says, I'm actually an editor uh, as much as the, and this is specifically for gun sounds, but I feel like it translates over to computer sounds. Okay. As much as the sound is inaccurate, the lack of some kind of clanky metal manipulation sound is much worse. There are a lot of times when filling in a sound that you have to add sound effects where there normally wouldn't be. Okay, well, it's a sentence weird. The concept is to make something feel authentic not realistic. So there's a magical word okay, in there. Yeah, yeah. The magical word is feel. The concept is to make something feel authentic, not realistic. This is why sound effects are almost never made by just doing that action next to a microphone. I've actually done sound effects for guns before, and unless you use sounds like cocking a hammer or clicking a safety, they are just sort of an unintelligible soft plastic click sound. Right. So basically what this guy says is from the business, He's in the business of doing it, and he's seen it both ways. And I can't really think in my head of a time that it's done differently, so I'll have to do some research on that. But he says, or she, they don't really say, he or she said, they say that the absence of sound is actually worse than having an an unrealistic sound. Because the audience has come to expect it. Right. So basically we're trained to think when we're entertaining ourselves, whenever somebody pulls a gun out of a holster, it has to make a sound. Yep. A silent drawing of a gun and pointing it is much worse. And I, I just I have to do some research on it because to me, if you were going to have some sort of sound that sounded like plastic and click, clicky, clicky plastic, I'd, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have the authentic, I guess. Maybe I wouldn't, I don't know. Well, but it just seems to me that 
if you do this ridiculous sound of every time you turn a corner with a gun, it has to make a sound. That, to me, is... It's, it's funny, because one short paragraph it made me think of so many different things. One, I liked, I, I really liked the way he said that. It, it's very, well, profound. Uh, the way he said, it's, it's better to be authentic instead of realistic, as in, we, as, as I, I use we loosely, not you and me, but like as a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Don't want things to be in our entertainment the way they are in real life. We want things to be familiar. So yeah. a gun making a clacking sound, we have been fed that from the moment we started watching TV, that if it was absent, so many people would be like, wouldn't think, it, it's not authentic, as in it doesn't fit the mold of what I think a gun should, sh- should sound like on TV. Right. It's realistic, as in in real life, I'm not going to hear that noise, but it's not authentic. It would not be emblematic of what a TV or movie sound should be. And that that's the first thing I thought of. The second thing I thought of is just how much that illustrates how stupid <laughs> people really are. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's awful that, you know, but it, just think of the amount of people that are sitting down watching a, a crime drama that have never held a gun, never seen a gun. Sure. The only guns that they've ever seen were on TV. And here's this gun, and it, it better make that sound, or I'm not going to think there's a gun there. Well, that's not a real gun. It didn't make a sound. Yeah. Like when the bad guy's doing his speech and he's pointing the gun around, every time he waves it goes... <laughs> like there's a, it's not a real gun. He better hear that or else it's like a prop gun. It's like, yeah. well, why is anybody worried? This guy doesn't have a real gun. It's a plastic gun because it's not making any noise. And just how ridiculous that idea is, but that's how people would think. Or, right. and this is what, when I said we and I had to differentiate, because for you and I, you would love and I would love for a gun to actually sound like a goddamn gun. For me, especially, I would love for something, anything, to have a computer and not make the bleep, 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 noises. Yeah. Like, when something's downloading, yep. fuck that shit. We, oh, God, I, I could see the computer on the screen. I know it's working. I don't need the sound. Can you imagine being somebody that works on computers all day and that every little goddamn thing you make Every move you make makes a noise. Yeah. Every time you click your mouse, every time you click a link or a button or anything, it's a... Insane. It's in... Yeah. I'm like, there'd be no computer programmers. There'd be yeah. no hackers. There'd be no air traffic controllers. There'd be no call center workers. There'd be nothing. All the jobs with computers would have people jumping ship left and right because they go nuts. Because that's realistic is silent computers. But it's not authentic, apparently, because people are fucking idiots. And they need the bleep flop lure <laughs> in order to think a goddamn computer is actually working. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any other things? We've got computers and guns down, Pat. What, what are some other things in television and movies that the sounds just have to be there or it's not really happening? The Wilhelm scream. That's my go-to. <laughs> the Wilhelm it's, scream. Like, I literally heard that, I think, yesterday when I was watching something. Like a Wilhelm scream. Somebody got tossed. Somebody went, ah! You know, yeah, the, one of one of my favorites is the ricochet bullet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nope. nope. Or almost the reverse. Like seriously, the reverse is the silencer that makes things that makes the gun absolutely silent. Oh yeah, that's right. It's the silent gun. Like as much as I like those movies, there's a scene in um I think it's the second John Wick where John Wick and Common or whatever his character was in the movie were walking through a busy like bus station or train station or airport or something like that. Uh, subway something 
where one's above, one's below, and they're just shooting at each other with a silencer, like kind of like like holding it <laughs> so it's concealed and kind of just like dodging around a little bit and shooting each other while they're walking, while people are walking around them and nobody hears a fucking thing. Yeah. It took me, like, I'm sorry, I like those movies as, you know, far-fetched as they are, but that took me right out of it. I was like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. God, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. This was especially disappointing because they went through pains to make sure Keanu Reeves was, like, trained in, like, gunplay and fighting and all that shit. And then yeah. they do that, and I'm like, God, that's so bad. I like the uh, the dog barking when you're outside. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it, there's no way they could be outside without a dog barking. Mm-hmm. Carl, I'm going off somewhere in the distance. Yeah. That's how you know you're in a city. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing is when somebody hits the alarm, they, like, like there's no such thing. Every once in a while they get one right, like a silent alarm or something like that. I like the whenever somebody like stretches and reaches and hits an alarm. There's like lights and sirens <laughs> yeah. and everything going on. It's not like there would ever be any situation where you'd hit the alarm and it would just lock the doors. No, yeah, no. <laughs> the the proper authorities would be notified. I like That's, that. If you're gonna pay for an alarm system, <laughs> get right. all you, the literal <laughs> literal bells and whistles. <laughs> That's another good one. Uh, well, one thing I did, there's this website and I we've mentioned it before. It's called TVTropes.com, and it is absolutely the most rabbit hole of rabbit holes. Like, it is going to suck you right into it. Um, so I thought it might be cool to go through what is, I would say, almost universally considered a movie that people like, which is Avengers Endgame. Okay. And just point out how riddled with tropes it actually was. Just, and stuff, like I said, we, we, we went through, like, especially the first episode, we went through stuff that's kind of the obvious, things you see all the time. Mm-hmm. But there's like structural tropes, like plot points and scripts and stuff like that, that story tropes that a lot of movies depend on, especially adventure, sci-fi, big budget type of movies. Okay. So if you will indulge me, I will go through it. If anybody didn't see the movie, it's not going to be, I'm not going to be heavy into the spoilers, but I'm going to spoil things. So fair warning, spoiler alert, go fuck yourself. Um <laughs> I think the statute of limitations has passed on this thing. It's over a year old, but whatever. So the first one surprised me, but you're going through it. You have the movie, and it talks. This is Endgame. This is the second part after the Infinity War, and it talks about the world after Thanos's. And this is the first trope: badass finger snap. Okay. This is a trope where Thanos did his finger snap and got rid of half of life in the universe. Mm-hmm. Badass finger snap is a trope in a lot of different things. And I didn't realize that. Like like I said, nothing is original. Nothing's original. You're going to see things all over the place. So one thing that TVTropes.com will do is they'll tell you what the trope is and then give you examples in all kinds of different media, like TV and movies, but like animation, comic books, anime, so, manga. So you're saying things. that the Thanos snap would have been just as effective as if he had done the clap on and clap off? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like advertisements, <laughs> one of the categories. Oh, my God, can you imagine? That would just clap on. <laughs> but uh, let's see. There's Dr. Zhivago. He does, somebody does in that. Dodgeball, the true underdog story. Ben Stiller's character summons, snaps his fingers and summons his headsman. Uh, Mary Poppins does it. <laughs> and then they talk about, like, Infinity War. There's a song about it. Yeah. Burn Notice, they do it to... Uh, the main guy convinces a gang of hardened Latino criminals to help him 
by snapping his fingers. Uh, Doctor Who does it. Sherlock does it. Moriarty calls off snipers aiming at Sherlock by snapping his fingers. Star Trek The Next Generation. The TV show Supernatural does it a lot. The angels and the demons can blow somebody up by snapping their fingers. Aha. Uh-huh. So there it is, starting right out the gate. Thanos snapped his fingers. That is a trope. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, I, I want to get people used to it. Like, these are, this is a, that was a major plot. This isn't that something you see in the back of a scene, computer making a noise. This is the entire focus of the two movies revolves around that point. And that is still been there, done that. That is still a trope. Mm-hmm. So you're going forward. You have the time jump five years later after they cut off Thanos' head. You know, blah, 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 blah. That's another trope off with his head. Somebody chopping off heads, but that's a little obvious. I mean, decapitations are all over the place. <laughs> Rampant with decapitations. Yeah, decapitations everywhere. Everybody chops somebody's head off. Um, so they go to the future five years ahead. And man wakes up, and he's trying to figure out what's going on. That's a trope, too, called a fish out of temporal water. Is that anything like man out of time? That's exactly what it is. It's... Some a time traveler for some reason somehow ends up in a in a time period that he doesn't know what's going on. So somebody from the past goes to the future. Somebody from the future goes to the past. Bill and Ted's uh, Excellent Adventure. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. They you somebody from one time period goes to another time period doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to piece together what's happening from the clues. So yeah, you got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You got of course the King of Them All, Back to the Future, Star Trek for the Voyage Home. Pleasantville, Idiocracy, um, Demolition Man, <laughs> the very Brady Bunch movie, because the whole thing is the family from the 60s and 70s being in the 90s. Can you imagine bringing Ben Franklin to 2020 and just having to explain to Ben Franklin what the fuck is going on? Like <laughs> you, You'd need to spend a week indoors just acclimating him. Okay, this is TikTok. Oh, my God. I'm going to show you an app. Uh, this is a meme. It would have be you, funny. Have you ever thought about what the cutoff point is for technology? Like, if you or I got transported 100 years in the future, 200, 300, 300 years in the future, we would be assuming that, you know, humanity didn't destroy itself with whatever. Yeah. You know, that humanity kept advancing. We would see technology that would blow our minds. You know, virtual reality, the hologram, whatever the fuck it is. Teleportation, I don't know. Cyborgs, whatever. Technology that would be unreal, but we would still think, wow, your technology has advanced incredibly. So well, at like, what point do you pluck somebody from the past where they don't think it's just fucking demons and magic? Like, at what period do they recognize? <laughs> like, well, like, when, did Jules Verne, when was Jules Verne at his peak? Well, like, when had Jules Verne um, made 18, it? Late, late 1800s, I think. And, and you think late 1800s, everybody had seen, like, a publication of... Sci-fi was off and running by the late 1800s. Well, I don't know if you know this, but in the Revolutionary War, they were visited by UFOs. So it's possible that um, they already knew about this and... It wouldn't be that big of a elite because <laughs> they were already indoctrinated. Well, at with least George technology. Washington knew. Yeah, <laughs> George Washington knew all about alien technology. <laughs> but yeah, like seriously, could you pick Ben Franklin up, put him into 2020? Would he be like you advance so far? Would he be like making the cross with his fingers going Ah, Satan, no go! I I think Ben Franklin would enjoy the scantily clad women <laughs> on TikTok. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, here's TikTok. Here's Instagram. Yeah, enjoy. I think Ben so Franklin would be way easier than, say, just some podunk motherfucker that spent all his time out in the fields. Not Like, I think Ben Franklin was a big thinker. I think that, you know, he probably had a, a robust imagination to do half the shit that he did anyway. I think that he probably would be less of a leap than somebody who was just, like, was amazed by the fact that he woke up the next day. <laughs> I, I The sun rises again. <laughs> the rooster made the sunrise. Okay. Good guy. Yeah. Good job, rooster. <laughs> I think, uh, honestly, I think about the best you're going to do is the um, discovery of electricity. Once elect- At least by the scientific community, once people started realizing what electricity was. Now, wait a second. Are you telling me that Ben Franklin didn't discover electricity by flying a kite with a key on it? Well, that's... And Franklin, he totally could <laughs> do that. I don't know. <laughs> Zap, ouch. <laughs> that smarts. No. Uh, they can figure these little holes on the wall. Uh, yeah, I like certainly you could go. Like you could, Chris Columbus, you pick Chris Columbus, put him in 2020, he's going to be like freaking his shit out. He'll have no idea what he's looking at, guaranteed. Yeah, because you can just be like, look, look what you did. Yeah. <laughs> look what you did. And he'd be like, hell yeah. So, so okay. Well, no, I imagine I imagine Christopher Columbus had is another one of those minds. He was, in, uh, for lack of better terms, an explorer. So, sure. I I feel like the people that had the minds explore would be the easiest to bring forward in time to show them this kind of stuff. Like after the like after the moment of them panicking and freaking the fuck out, and like you'd probably have to tie them down. <laughs> right you know don't run away you know <laughs> uh after like the initial freak out you could probably bring most people but you know then a lot of people would just be like nah fever dream well you know what yeah i, I think so i think people would acclimate pretty quick but also think about plucking somebody from like 1920 like 100 years ago and showing them the internet like they wouldn't even know what a like the monitor itself would be new to them because that's before tv they at the best they could equate it with like a movie screen, like a movie. But that's right. before sound was in movie. Yeah. So they're like, okay, not only as am I watching something on a tiny screen with sound and color, but I'm like you and me doing Skype. I'm talking to somebody, you know, dozens, hundreds, thousands of miles away. That would almost freak them out. Like I think I feel like somebody then would disbelieve what they're seeing, even a hundred years ago. I I think the the leap that you'd have to do the once you got past the fact that they time travel, if you could get them to understand that they actually traveled through time, they are in the future. After that, everything else would be that it would fall into place. Think about this though. You could also screw with them real hard. Cause once they start accepting this stuff, yeah, you could talk to somebody through your computer screen. Yeah. You could talk to, you know, a thousand miles away. Yeah. I can get into a, I guess they know airplanes, but a spaceship and go, then you can start making all kinds of shit up. <laughs> well, this is this is a trope right here. Like a time traveler <laughs> that, that learns customs in like a weekend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like picks up like Marty McFly picked up that shit real quick. Like yeah, he did. I still I I remember thinking about there's there's also the reverse. Like people going back to the past being a fish out of water, but being too stupid. Like being stupider than they should be. Like Marty goes back to nineteen fifty five walks into a diner and asks for Pepsi free, which is either he's a dumb teenager or the script writers are like, whatever, it's good for a laugh. 
But the guy's like, well, if you want a Pepsi, you got to pay for it. Like, he would, like, five seconds worth of thinking. He's like, this, this guy's not going to order Pepsi free. It's just going to have a Pepsi. It's going to have a, a shit ton of sugar and caffeine in it. Unless so, he was, yeah, unless he was just that stupid to think that they wouldn't have, you know, caffeine-free or sugar-free yeah, exactly. soft just, drinks. It'd literally be like me going into, you know, 1955 and saying, yeah, I want a Monster Energy drink. What do you mean you don't have a Monster Energy drink? What's wrong with you? Like, that's <laughs> the most ridiculous thing in the world. Yeah. Like, you've got to be really dumb to say that. Well, so there's a he was really dumb. You're a fish out of water, and you're a dumb fish out of water. Yeah, but... <laughs> But then the trope then becomes learning how to not be a fish out of water. Well, if it's a, what are some computers that had to learn? I'm trying to think. There's a movie that I, like somebody flips through the, was it The Fifth Element? Doesn't she learn? She like watches the TV. She comes out of her, like they, they put her in front of a TV and they run through like the Earth's history and Yeah, eventually. Like she, because at the end she's all despairing because she sees all the war and shit. So it's not towards it's towards the end of the movie. Are you sure? I feel like she came out of her coma, and then they they went to that that guy's apartment, the monk or whatever. God, it's been forever since I've seen that movie. Yeah. But they they like put her in front of this computer that just rapidly fires like Wikipedia at her, and all of a sudden she knows everything. Yeah. I feel like that's a trope too. Well, there's somebody, also, like, the Matrix. Learning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know what? I'm going to watch Fifth Element tomorrow. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, just do it. Uh, okay, well, anyway, so moving on. So, yeah, Fish Out of Water, that's a big one. So, here. So, you have the uh, quest. Is to set right what, what's set right, what once went wrong. So, this is, it's actually kind of funny. So, this is another structural plot point that is everything you see all the time. The character receives foreknowledge of what will happen and has to correct it. So there's this little cartoon that they use as an example. They use like the little pictures or captions all the time. And it is uh, this guy saying, I've reached through time itself to cure the plague before it even started. Huh? Straight from the headlines. Uh, yeah. The thousands who fell to, it, to its taint now live as though it never was. And the character is trying to ask for a reward. And because he erased the plague from history, nobody knows what to reward him for. So the guy, it's like a little comedy thing. So the guy screws himself by curing the plague. Mm-hmm. He's trying to go and say, hey, reward me. I erased this plague from history. Thousands of people are going to live. And they're like, well, we don't know that you did it because you erased from history. But that's, so they're going to go set right, right, what was, what's the, set right what once went wrong. That's the entire impetus of the movie. And it's been done a hundred times. Quantum Leap, the entire show is about that. So, okay, so I'm sorry I missed that a little bit. So what you're saying is is like a future event gets avoided by somebody? So something horribly goes wrong. And this is like a huge trope. In fact, it's a trope bad enough. It's time travel. If you look at time travel as an umbrella, this is the pole where something goes so bad that you have to go back in time to make sure it's not going to fuck up again. Okay. So gotcha. this is this is over and over and over. It's not they make a differentiation. Groundhog's Day is something different because this is usually a one-off. Something bad happens, somebody goes back in time, fixes it so it doesn't happen. Okay. Back to the future. Like it's not that he sets out to fix his shitty life, but he does. But uh, Quantum Leap is a big one. That I mean, the entire show is based off of, you know fixing stuff that went bad. Um, uh, the um, they they have a struggle with that in the final countdown. 
when the aircraft carrier goes back to Pearl Harbor. Oh, right. And then they've got all the, like, F-14s in the air, and they, they see all the Japanese Zeros and everything going towards Pearl Harbor, and they're like, we could, add, we could stop Pearl Harbor right now. We could blow everybody up, and they're like, nope, can't do it. You can't yeah. change, can't change things. Yep. That's the whole. You can't go back in time and step on a leaf, or else humanity won't be born. Yeah. Well, the, the examples you use is like the more sane people actually <laughs> thinking about it, because right. usually the trope is shit's bad. I'm going to go back and fix it. Not even deliberating. Like I'm just going to do. It. I'm not going to care about you know screwing up the timelines and blah 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 blah. It's I'm I'm just going to go fix it. Uh, Twelve monkeys. Let's mm-hmm. see stuff like uh. So, like, movies you have, like I said, Back to the Future, Cyborg, 2087. Oh, never mind. It's not the movie I thought it was. Uh, the... Termin- Terminator. The entire oh, yeah, Terminator yeah. franchise is based on it. Uh, Frequency with, uh, what's his name? Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Like, the kid, his his kid is trying to fix things. Um, Butterfly Effect. Time Cop. Uh, Time Cop 2. Did you ever see Paycheck? No, the Ben Affleck, I know what you're yeah. talking about, but I didn't see it. That's actually a really good movie, and that's not necessarily that's time better. travel. Um, that's like an oracle. The, the, he invents, he doesn't necessarily, but he reverse engineers uh, this device that can see the future. I don't remember what the time frame is. It might be seven minutes in the future. <clears throat> maybe it's Maybe it's more. Anyway, there's essentially like a nuclear war on the horizon or something like that, and they try and change it. It's. It was. I remember it being a good movie. Um, it's. It might be worth going and checking out again. Paycheck. I. You're not the first. I've heard people say that it's really good. So I always mention say it. Uh, so who do you think did that the best? Once again, like I say, these things you're not going to avoid. Terminator. So you're going to see it all the time. I say Deadpool two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to go back and get rid of Green Lantern. Green and, Lantern and, and all, then he tries Wolverine Origins and all that shit. Baby Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Yep. See. He saves his girlfriend, then he doesn't stop there. He just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. That that was pretty good. Trite and cliched as it was. I actually enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's... Remember, there was one that we... The episode we talked about thinkers. I talked about the movie Predestination. Okay. Ethan Hawke. Where basically, if anybody doesn't remember, I'm going to spoil it. Basically, this person's born a woman, has a genetic condition where... She gets surgery, like something's wrong with her, so they have to save her life, but they have to give her surgery, like a sex change operation, where she gets turned into a guy genetically, joins, becomes a guy, joins a time police thing, goes back, knocks herself up, the baby is actually her, takes the baby back to an orphanage, like it's over, it sounds so batshit crazy. So she's herself? So she, like, basically knocked herself up to give birth to herself. It sounds like the most passionate, crazy <laughs> thing in the world, and it was actually really cool. It was a really good movie. Like, it, it unfolds so... Was it better than The Lake House? You know what? I didn't see Lake Keanu House. Reeves and Sandra Bullock. I know, I know. I didn't see the putting shit in the mailbox and all that stuff. I didn't see that one. I, for whatever reason, steered clear of it because it was a rom-com by definition. <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know, which is everybody that's listening, uh, Steve and I have a different definition of what a rom-com is or we, isn't. We had it out the other night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a it was an all out brawl fest. <laughs> um, we had to we had to look shit up and go to Google and oh, stuff. Oh we Googled shit. <laughs> it was a rabbit hole too. We went we went far afield. Yeah. Anyways, I still think we should do a rom com episode just because Well we have to do one now. Yeah and now we have 
we're not going to explain anything until nope. we have the rom-com episode. Nope. Yeah, it's all in an episode. That's where therapy happens. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> bridges get built and wounds get healed. Or bridges get healed and wounds get built. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, <laughs> so back to the movie. So they talk about the stinger. There is a trope. The stinger is the after credits scene. Yes. There's an actual, there's a great, uh, there's a great web page. I think it's called after the credits, but it does define a, there are more definitions besides stinger. Hold on. But yeah, that's huge in Marvel. I mean, that's what Marvel movies are known for now. Like nobody just walks out of a bar of a theater after a Marvel movie anymore. All right. So there's this website called aftercredits.com. And if you're going to go see a movie, especially if it's a Marvel, well, no, all Marvel stuff does. But it, Pixar, Disney, um, you can do it for almost any movie. But uh, you go to aftercredits.com, and just it'll tell you what's going to be after the credits, if there are. So um, there are stingers. And here I've gone and gotten to the website on my phone, and it sucks. <laughs> it, their mobile version is not that good. But there's... Um, well, let's just say stingers, non-stingers, unknown. That does not solve what I was trying to get at anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, stingers. Go to go to aftercredits.com and kind of poke around. There's some really good stuff in there, and it'll tell you if there's scenes after the movie. Or um, there's, there's something, like, in between the credits. Like, if it's not at the very end, there's something. Uh, it's called something, and I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble finding it. Bonus scene, stingers, during credits. Anyway, go ahead with your stingers. Well, I was just going to say, the way the website has it, they have a, like a, a lot of times they have quotes. This one made me laugh a little bit. I don't know what, what it is. It's called Basic Instructions, How to Synergize. I don't know if that's a book or a movie, but it's got two guys talking. So this one guy says, some movies have an extra credit scene after the credits. The friend says, mainly superhero movies and dumb comedies. So the other guy says, you're right. Most movies have an extra scene after the credit. <laughs> yeah. Because you're right, comedies have that all the time. They have um, TV shows. So, Battlestar Galactica would do it all the time. Uh, Doctor Who, Frasier had all... Remember Frasier at the end? they have the credits rolling. They'd have something without any dialogue, somebody doing something. Yep. yep. They would do that all the time. Uh, Seinfeld, all the time. Especially, well, not all the time. About a third into it, maybe halfway through, is when they started having... Post or I guess currently credit scenes. I guess you would say. Yeah. It's, it was bad enough, and I kicked myself because when I was rewatching it a couple months ago, I would skip it. Like if the last credits come up, and I would jump through. I would like, turn it off, and then I realized I was missing a bunch. I had to go back and watch it again. I was like, ah, shit. Mm. But yeah, over and over again. It's not just Marvel movies, and uh, and there's people out there that actually think the Marvel movies started that, but it happens all the time. What's what's your favorite one? What's the most famous one? Oh, geez, you put me on the spot. I put you on the spot, but you should know because you pretty much already said it. I did? Oh, I didn't say Deadpool? Well, kind of. Oh, my brain doesn't operate like that, dude. I've <laughs> already dumped that. <laughs> Ferris Bueller. Oh, you're still here? Yeah, yeah so Deadpool copies it yes, in the exactly. first one. Yeah, yeah. the, the credits run, and, and at the very end of the credits... It's that's assuming you're in the theater. I mean, they still do it for the VHS, but um, yeah, he he's in his bathrobe and he pokes around the corner. Go home. The movie's over. <laughs> Which I almost think it can't be the first one I've ever seen. 
but it feels like the first one I remember. Okay. So going on, um, year outside, hour inside. This one is the heroes in some kind of enchanted place, usually a much smaller, um, a small version of the world they're in or something. For example, a house, a castle, an island. They spend a few hours inside and seemingly only age a few hours, but when they leave, they find that years have passed on the outside in the normal world. So this is the entire idea of going back in time, grabbing shit, you know, the Infinity Stones and all that stuff, and yep. coming back in the moment they disappear. And then at the end of the movie, putting them back at the moment they were taken. So nothing changes. But this has been done a hundred times too. Beetlejuice. Um, Beetlejuice has a great after credit scene. I don't know if it happens right at the end of the credits or it happens at the end when he's sitting in the... I think that's before the credits roll. Sorry. I don't remember that. I don't he's remember sitting in the waiting room. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. Got the, the take a number with the shrunken head. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I'm, I'm trying to... Con- I'm trying to convince... Tr- uh, combined tropes no one movie can have more than one trope it's <laughs> good to know but beetlejuice yeah the um when um gina davis and alec baldwin when the guy steps out of the house just retrace the steps he's in that crazy desert alien landscape for like five seconds but when his wife pulls him back inside she says she's been gone for hours mm-hmm. um interstellar the whole thing you know his traveling through space means he ages barely at all but 23 years pass on earth and then Star- he goes down to the, the planet, and every hour on the planet that's that close to the black hole is seven years on Earth. Yeah, which is, physic- I guess, physicists, physicists, yeah, physicists, said it's right, but for gravity to do that, like the math works, but for gravity to do that much time dilation would squish him like a pancake within five seconds, so it wouldn't even matter. Like, there's no way they'd be walking around with that much gravity, so. Uh, apparently, 30 Rock from the Sun did this, and I never watched it, but you watched it. Do you know what I'm... I I don't I do I did watch that show and I I liked it but I don't remember I know that they had to talk to the big head. See I don't know I just I gotta go with they see here. Apparently there's a character named Frank mm-hmm. who play tests Tracy's pornographic video game. So Frank walks into Tracy's dressing room with a comically long beard and says Tracy I tried out your game it's all right I guess. Tracy says Frank you've been in your office for three months and he looks at the mirror and goes what? <laughs> Rip Dan Winkle. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, this is – I guess I got to look this up. Apparently, in its last days on the air, Mad TV did a sketch where a child wanders into a magical land and has a day of fun and adventure, and in the real world, the boy's been missing for several days. So his father is accused of kidnapping him, becomes the subject of a media frenzy, and when the boy comes home, he comes in and finds that the dad has hung himself. Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. That's dark. I kind of want to see that. <laughs> but yeah, so the year one, the years passed, and year outside, hour inside. That was when Scott Lang appears for him only a couple hours passed in the quantum realm. Yeah, five years passed in the real world. Uh, so they go, they do their thing, and they go on a roaring rampage of revenge. And that is everything. That is, so they describe it as, she's making a list, she's checking it twice, and she's checking your name off that she's killed you nice. Probably for making it personal. And it's from Kill Bill. So she's just, you know, she's going to take revenge on everybody that's wronged her. She's going to hunt them all down. She's going to go through Revenge the porn. Exactly. It's a every Quentin Tarantino movie. And the, the bad guys always deserve it. Let's see what... Oh, yeah. So Clint Barton goes on his roaring rampage of revenge. Because he's hurt from his family disappearing. And goes and kills all the Yakuza and all the different criminals and whatnot. 
but that's let's see films oh wow they don't have a lot of examples here that's really weird hmm. yeah kill bill just any type of thing people go and just go crazy killing all the people that were on them what was that um mel gibson movie was, was uh, it just payback. Something? payback yeah it's a good one uh, so when they mention Thor, when you see Thor again, he's all fat and disgruntled and beaten by life. That is the shell-shocked veteran, where they've seen too much. They've been through too much, and they broke them, and they're broken down. They're a shell of themselves. They're a shadow of their formal... Batman, the Dark Knight Rises. Yes, exactly. It's everything. It's all with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, once again, Dr. all these things I'm finding with all these tropes, Doctor Who's done it. At some at some point, <laughs> Doctor Who well, has done it. How many episodes has Doctor Who? How many years has Doctor Who been doing well, it? It's been going since the '60s, but it kind of got a reboot in 2005. So the modern era of Doctor Who has been going for at least 15 years. Game of Thrones. Ned Stark is all, you know, Robert misses his glory days, but Ned Stark is like, yeah, I'm all been there, done that. Uh, the TV show Homeland. The TV show Justified. Like it's everything, everything from a soldier coming home. The soldier is never well adjusted. The soldier uh, always all fucked up. Yoda? Yeah. Luke yep. Skywalker? Absolutely. Yoda is exactly that. In fact, it's over the top with Yoda. Yoda fails at killing the Emperor in Episode 3. It's like, fuck this shit, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to try anymore. Yep. It's great. And then Luke in The Last Jedi. Yep. Yep. He becomes <laughs> Yoda because The Last Jedi sucked ass. I was just waiting. I was trying yeah, to bait, whatever. You can't be there. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Fuck Yoda, Luke. At least Yoda tried afterwards. My bastard to be Ryan Jump. Anyways, once again, Doctor Drew Carey show. Huh. Anyways, yep, they keep doing this. So then they come across. And this one's funny to me. Let me see if I can find this. Here. Jesus, what are you doing over there? Crack my head up. Huh? Can't find the reference. The trope is called "What Happened to the Mouse." Explain. Uh, what happened to the mouse occurs when a minor character, action, or very minor plot line is suddenly dropped from the story for no apparent reason, without explanation, without resolution. Uh, there's several reasons why this happens. In movies, the most common is that the scenes are just taken out in editing, but are referenced somewhere else in the film. Um, and it is differentiated between because it's a minor thing. It's a, Let's see here. The trope's name refers to the scene in the movie The Last Emperor, which I never watched, but it's about the little kid emperor in China. Um, the title character violently throws his beloved pet mouse off screen. There's no sound of the mouse hitting anything. It's never seen again, leaving its fate ambiguous. So what happened to the mouse? I cannot find where in this movie in the uh, endgame that was supposed to have taken place. It's killing me. So I'm looking up a couple examples uh, Men in Black 2, the two dragons, Scrad and Charlie, disappear halfway through the film and are never seen again. Yeah. In Forrest Gump, Jenny had sisters living with her grandmother. Anyone else remember them? Nope. <laughs> but it happens so often that there was, it's buried under all kinds of different things. Star Trek, over and over again. Here's a good one, Ghostbusters. You might remember that librarian ghost who gave just about everyone the willies. It's too bad nothing is said about what happened to her. <laughs> all right. Nobody caught her. It's true. And what became of Venkman's test subjects? The male subject quit, stormed out, but the female agreed to go on a date with him. Mm-hmm. See? The thing is, it's definitely, it's differentiated between what's called the Chuck Cunningham syndrome, which is one of my favorite, because that is when a major character or plot point is 
disappears and never is seen again. So if anybody doesn't know, Happy Days, the first, I want to say couple seasons, it wasn't just the first season. You had uh, Richie Cunningham, which was Ron Howard, okay. and Joni. They had an older brother named Chuck. And one day at the end of a season, Chuck goes up to his room, and they never mention him again. Hmm. He is just off the show by the next season, and they don't talk about what happened to him. Nothing happens. Nothing is mentioned. Here's one that I, I'm trying to wrap my head around. The Libyans in Back to the Future, they shoot Doc Brown, who in the end wears a bulletproof vest and survives, crash into a photo booth. Their fate and future actions unresolved. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, just if you crash your trip vehicle, obviously, you're, you're gone and nobody's ever heard of you ever again. Yeah, it's killing me. I can't find what that's referring to in the movie. And I came from the movie when I was looking at it. That's going to bug me. <laughs> so you go through the whole thing, blah, 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 blah. You have um, Thanos come back with it once the Hulk does a snap and brings everybody back. And they have what's called the Bolivian Army ending. This occurs when the main characters face a seemingly insurmountable odds, which, for once, they can't seem to actually get past. There's no obvious way out of it. So once you have Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man fight Thanos, and Thor and Iron Man are taken out, you have Captain America with his broken-ass shield, strapping mm-hmm. it on. It's like, whatever, man. It's got Thanos' whole army there. It's like, I'm going to fight. That's the Bolivian army ending, and that's referring to, uh, which I've never seen this, which I should, but Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm-hmm. So that ends with the two heroes apparently surrounded by the entire Bolivian army. They could surrender, but instead they choose to come out all guns a-blazing. And the film just ends as they do. We never see them die. Right. So, With the top spinning on the table. You never see it fall. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Thelma and Louise do it. Cloverfield does it. Reservoir Dogs. Does it show Mr. Pink and Mr. White getting shot, but the shots are heard in the credits. Braveheart, at the very end, they just, instead of surrendering or bowing the knee, they all just start rushing. So anything where you have the guy, like, one guy or a small group of people in the end just rushing a giant army, 300, uh, the Devil's Rejects. Really... Now, when you say that, do you mean, like, they're surrounded with, like, no way they could survive, and then the film ends? Or they're surrounded, there's no way they could live, but they still stand their ground? It's, I guess it's pretty wide, because this includes this scene, because we all know what happens next is all the heroes come out of the portals. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to die, it's just you got this one guy with seemingly insurmountable odds and... Like Jon Snow against in uh, Battle of the Bastards. Yeah. That's actually or, one of my favorites before Game of Thrones sucked really bad. Well, I was going to say, even the Banner of Winterfell. Like, at the end, he like jumps out at the dragon and they're all huddled. And then, you know, Arya comes out of nowhere to save the day. So I would say this trope is about, as an audience member, we don't know any special trick they have up their sleeve. Like, we're just as oh, shit, they're fucked as the character themselves. And it could could end there or could go on to have them saved somehow. Right. I, that happens quite a bit. That happens all the time. Like, that's, that's the thing about this website is they have, they list examples, and this one just keeps going on and on. <laughs> uh, Saving Private Beverly Ryan. Beverly Hills Cop. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, except for, like right at the end, those planes come in and start blowing the tanks yep. but until then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had one. It's gone. Uh, the TV show Angel, the spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, literally the last scene in the entire series is Angel and his his posse 
who are all hurt and shit, being faced with like an army of demons. And the angel says something like, I get the dragon, and then it ends. <laughs> Did you ever see uh, the movie Real Men with John Ritter? And, yes, uh, I love that fucking movie. One of my favorite that you're talking about is when uh, Belushi convinces him that his hands are actually guns. Yeah. And he can He's come out shooting, <laughs> and he comes out and he shoots somebody, but somebody else had shot him, and yep. the guy falls. He's like, holy shit. And then he starts doing it, and people it happens start a bunch up. of times. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that oh. movie was great. Oh my god! Like, and then it gives him all this confidence. So when the clown, yeah, the clown boss comes in out the of alleyway, him, it's shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that movie was like I was talking with about that movie with somebody else a couple months ago, and God, I gotta watch that again. I love that movie. Yep. Uh, so Bolivian Army. That's Captain America faces it. Uh, they do, let's see here, they do this a bunch, and then they use this trope, but this trope is throughout the entire movie, in fact, I would say it's a point of the movie, and it is the callback. So a relevant reference to an event taking place earlier than the timeline of the present story. It's used to remind viewers that there is an ongoing storyline. It's a shout out to itself, it's a running gag, and it is... It's an uh, entire cinematic universe? Yes. But when you click on examples, what's number one, and not just alphabetically, for TV? Oh, Arrested Ever- Development? Arrested Development! Hell yeah. <laughs> but everybody does it. Any long-running, especially serial shows that have a you know one episode after another follows the storyline, it's going to have it. I mean, just going through the alphabetical, you have Arrested Development, Big Bang Theory, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> Doctor Who, once again. <laughs> Nobody did it better than Arrested Development. Arrested Development's the king. Firefly. In the first two episodes, Kaylee tells Mal they need a new compression coil. Mm-hmm. Ship's engine will be done in the water. In the episode Out of Gas, that failure causes them to be dead in the water. <laughs> that is, Out of Gas is probably my favorite episode. My there favorite Firefly episode. And they telegraphed it from the first episode. Mm-hmm. But in that episode, it's kind of a flashbacks episode. And they show how like everybody came to be on the ship. Right. Oh, it's so good. When yes. Wash comes to the ship with the mustache. And there's a scene where Kaylee's riding some dude just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, perf corner. He could never escape it. Nope. Uh, in the movie, Serenity, she finds another piece of gear that looks suspicious, suspiciously like the same coil from a broken piece of the Reaver ship. And it shows how common the piece of gear is. It's everywhere until you really need it. Mm, right. <laughs> yeah, it just goes ever, forever, forever, forever. So you, Seinfeld... Does it all the time. Like, Arrested Development protect, uh, perfected it, but Seinfeld did a lot. Uh, so the uh, whole scene where Jerry wears a puffy shirt. You know, I don't want to be a pirate. pirate. Yeah. In the later episode, Kramer's going to pull a, string, uh, pull a sting operation to see if the guy's dealing drugs. Like the guy that was investing money for him. Because he kept sniffing around him. Like, yeah. Sniffing his nose. And he wears a huge out- outfit with an eye patch. And Jerry tells him how ridiculous he looks. And Kramer says... Jerry says, you look like a pirate. Kramer says, I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> Callback. So callbacks, big trope. So here's the thing about, I, I wanted to pause it because when I was looking at that, this is one of the best examples I can have for a point I wanted to illustrate was just because it's a trope doesn't mean it's bad. I love callbacks. Yeah. Agreed. I feel like callbacks are a, a reward. It's a reward for sticking with something. It's a reward for paying attention. And every time a TV show does a callback or a movie does a callback, like a movie series, 
I fucking love that. I feel like I remember that. That was clever, especially if it actually is clever. <laughs> Usually helps. Well, the the closing lines of Seinfeld and the I mean that was the ultimate callback. Oh my god, from like the first scene, pretty much. Yeah, of the yeah. first episode. And that was beautiful. I thought that was really great the way they did that. A lot of yeah. people give shit about the last episode of Seinfeld. The fact that they ended almost exactly the same place they begun, I thought was really cool. Right. So, if for anybody listening that's like just a shitting on it, this is just I. I'm fascinated by tropes because I like to point out the beats, you know, the patterns, the the same things you're going to see over and over again and all across the medium. But they're not necessarily bad. I love callbacks. I love the hero's journey. I love the sting. I love the stinger. I love watching the end of the credits and seeing something else. Like, these things, I, I love that shit. It's just the sound effects. It's just when they treat us like we're idiots. Yes. It's the dumb things that don't need to be there, the, the sound effects of the gun, the computer... Same, a lot of times you get the lines where, like, you know, if somebody falls off the building and somebody looks out over the edge, like, ow, that has to hurt. Fuck you, don't say that. <laughs> you know? Or somebody's doing something stupid for a job and shrugs their shoulders and says, it's a living. Go, go kill yourself, you know? Like, that's, that shit's cliche and hackneyed. But larger plot points, like right here, when Scarlet Witch appears and starts beating the shit out of Thanos, it's personal. That's the name of the trope. Because he took everything from her, you know. That's something you need to see. That's something, if you're going to have a bad guy fucking with the hero, of course it's going to be personal. And of course that's going to be a major motivation for the hero to do something. So yes, it's a trope. You see it in everything. You made it personal. Now I'm going to kill you. But it needs to be there. Uh, So you have Captain Marvel coming in. And (laughs) I'll just touch on this one because I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but... Her entire character is what they call physical god. Mm-hmm. And that's they call it one step beneath the powers that be, the powers that be being the unseen forces that pull the strings in the background. They're like the godlike beings. The physical god is like the, they say physical because it's like a godlike being that is there in front of you. So at some point, Thor was probably the physical god because he was so, especially when he appears in, in um, Infinity War, mm-hmm. it turns the tide of the battle in Wakanda. Yep. He's like over the top powered, but Captain Marvel is crazy powerful. She comes in and there's no beating her. She knocks down a ship out of the sky, like it's really weird. But she does get beat. That it's really weird, like how she's got to take the like. This is a plot hole, actually. Like she's got to take the Infinity Gauntlet and get away with it. Like she takes it from Spider Man. Then all those girls appear and say, "Oh, she's going to have help." Why does she need help? She doesn't need help. She could fly right. up into fucking space in five seconds. Like, it's ridiculous. But whatever. So she appears. <laughs> that's physical. Like, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, she appears with the dynamic entry, where she comes out of nowhere, not just appears, but comes in flashy. She flies through the big ship and blows it up, and then does that little swoop. She flies up in the air, and she's like, ta-da! Yep. That's definitely a trope. Superhero entrance. Superhero Yeah, Deadpool does it better. maximum effort Goddamn right so full of tropes and then you get to the end where you face death with dignity i am (laughs) iron man Goddamn right but weirdly enough this does not apply to iron man this applies to thanos because decapitated not when it gets decapitated when he realizes that tony stark has the gems and it's done he doesn't scream. This is why Thanos is actually not just the best Marvel villain, but one of the best sci-fi villains they've ever made. It's because he's not saying, like, 
Curses! Foiled again! Oh, I'll get you! No! You know, nothing. No histrionics. No stupid emotional meltdown. He's just like, well, this sucks. And he just kind of like, even as he's turning to dust, he's just like, well, you know, I did my best. It is what it is. <laughs> and he just, and that's, he's just like cool with it. He's just like, well, here we go. He's just like, he's not like crying. He's not angry. He's not, he's just like, well, it happened. Oh, well. <laughs> and that's better. That's better than the baby throwing a tantrum bad guy like no i i refuse to admit defeat i want to see who else has faced death with dignity doctor who (laughs) really it's in there i know it's weird uh heroes isaac mendez the guy that could paint the future that shows him being killed by siler so siler shows up the door he says you're late and that's it he says he can't fight fate here it is and just cool with it hey heroes all right and that was season one if i remember right so there you go could have been something. That could have been a great show. Could have been. Could have been. Should have been. Would have been. Oh, well. So that was that's all the tropes from that movie. And that's just one movie, not even all the tropes. Like I said, this website is like a rep. You could spend hours on this website going through mm. books, going through comic books, going through cartoons, going through whatever the hell you want to go through. But I did find, because I did the rabbit hole a little bit, I found two tropes that aren't necessarily um, for Avengers. That spoke to me. Okay. The first one is called, Did You Just Punch Out Cthulhu? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the idea is you have, um, you have the Eldritch Abomination, the Dark God, the other cosmic entity presence that is beyond knowing, beyond any mortal means of vying with, who is harbinger of the end times. But then you have a fellowship of plucky heroes who were never told that the Abomination is impossible to beat. So, and if they were told, they wouldn't care. So through some combination of skill, brains, and courage, and the heroic spirit, <laughs> they punch Cthulhu in the face, and they beat it and win the day. Mm. This is the entirety of, like, Lord of the Rings. Like, anything with a giant, you know, unknowable, unbeatable, unapproachable monster that is beaten by the plucky heroes is, did you just punch out Cthulhu? <laughs> I like that. That spoke to me. And then... The other side of that is, did we just have tea with Cthulhu? <laughs> Explain that one. So it's big, it's scary, it's horrible, and it's so much more powerful than you, than you that it could kill you without thinking, or maybe by just thinking, but instead of whatever you were dreading, it has just invited you to have a nice cup of tea and a bun. For whatever reason, be it sinister and self-serving or just misunderstood, the big, horrible, scary thing treats you in a friendly manner. And I... I can tell you right off the bat, they do this a Supernatural bunch with a big bad guy for whatever reason. And Buffy did this a few times. The big bad guy, instead of fighting the heroes, is like, come on, we're just going to talk it out. We're just going to have a, a heart-to-heart. I'm not going to kill you right away. Let me monologue for a while. Well, like some examples in Pixar, Finding Nemo, Bruce the Vegetarian Shark, mm-hmm. try to live by the motto, Fish are friends, not food. And they invite their fishy friends to a meeting just dedicated to changing the negative shark image. Because to a little clownfish, a shark is a horrible godlike entity. Right. Uh, Doctor Who did it, whatever. Uh, <laughs> supernatural death itself, chit-chats with the characters. It lost the man in black, the big bad guy of the whole series, sits down and talks to people over breakfast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like that. I just the, the Cthulhu thing popped out to me. But, yeah, so that's... Um, I just thought that would be interesting to go through. Is like take one movie and just see how many tropes you're going to find over and over in that movie. 
I also found a list of basic surface tropes. Might be funny to look at. Uh, aliens. Anytime there's aliens in a movie, they always want to invade Earth. And by Earth, it's America. In the United States. Yeah. Uh, undead. Never turn your back on the bad guy you just killed because he'll magically survive and make you pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, villain's throne. Protagonist walks into a dark room, turns on the light, and there's the antagonist waiting in his huge, dramatic chair. <laughs> Bonus points if they're petting a cat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, hot and cold. Will they or won't they? Romantic comedies and TV shows. Walking from an explosion. Nothing says you're a badass like walking away from a giant explosion. <laughs> My hero. Having trouble getting the girl. Just save her life and she'll magically fall into your arms. Mm. The misguided dad. The father is more focused on his career than his family. Yet there's like a whole slew of these. Like they're all over the place. Um, just age-old wisdom. Everybody knows the wisest characters are always the oldest. They're also a man with a beard and glasses. I'm going to randomly pick a trope. This one's called a snapback trope. Mm. Whenever an episode ends with drastic changes to the status quo or the characters in a bad situation, they're not likely to get out of soon. The next episode has everything back to normal as if the previous episode didn't happen. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I absolutely love it. I think we talked about this before with the, uh, well, here's a trope. The sitcoms will bring a child in, like a baby or a little kid to try to, make things a little fresh. Mm-hmm. So we talked about before where Married with Children did it for a season and then ignored it that, that it happened entirely for the next season. Like after that, like it completely ignored that there was a kid running around for an entire season. Like didn't even mention it, but they put him on a, a milk carton saying, you know, like a missing child thing on a milk carton. Uh, I love it. Seinfeld. I, I think Seinfeld was pretty guilty because, well, let's see. Well, yeah, I just saw an episode the other day in the, in one of the rooms where the episode where Kramer and, and uh, Elaine and Newman try to steal the dog that's keeping Elaine up. Like, they kidnap a dog, the cops show up, arrest them, and the next episode, nothing happens. They're not in jail, there's yeah. nothing going on. Yeah. The Fat Friend. Fat Friend's always comic relief. <laughs> Friends. Chandler goes to Yemen to fend off Janice in the one with all the rugby. He is in New York in the next episode. <laughs> yep. Doesn't mention it ever again. Yep. News radio. Give me a beer. In movies, characters ask for a beer. Never say a type. Never say a brand. Nothing. Just give me a beer. The bartender has a beer for you. Youthful awareness. Are the adults clueless? Never fear. There's always a little kid who's way more aware <laughs> than the grown-ups. Yeah. <laughs> that actually annoys me, actually. I, I, every time I see that, I'm like, every time I see the precocious kid that knows what the grown-ups is like, ah, come on. Like, um, Stranger Things just Stranger with, Things, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, holy shit. <laughs> I have your favorite trope here. It was all just a dream. Oh, I hate dream sequences with a passion. <laughs> I literally cannot think of a single dream sequence I've ever seen that I was like, no, this is cool. This is fine. Dream sequences, fever dreams, daydream, dream dream hallucination. Dream. See, I can't say that because I actually liked Inception. But that was the whole thing was, that was the point. Uh, I actually, weirdly enough, don't count Inception as a dream sequence. Hallucinations. Dream sequence for me is when, you know, you're seeing something, and usually you can identify that it's not actually happening, but sometimes it's a fake-out. Where they're like, this character's getting with this other character. Oh, my God, no, somebody's waking up, it was a dream. Or this character died, no, it's a dream. Or this character's now still alive, no, it's a dream. <laughs> it's so bad. It's, it's a way just to eat up some time 
give the audience a stupid monetary mo- momentary thrill. Maybe monetary. Maybe somebody's paying somebody. I don't know. <coughs> momentary thrill, and then it's gone, and it means nothing. It's just a lazy way to give you like a, the, the emotional state of the hero, and it's fucking infuriating. I hate it. Here's one for you. Uh, the show Newhart. <laughs> in the last episode, he wakes up. The whole series, the whole show, was a dream. Well, you know they also did that in technically. What? Breaking Bad. It was a joke. For whatever reason, Brian Cranston, I don't know what he did it for, but he did a little throwaway bit. Oh, yeah, okay. It was for an award show, maybe? Was it Maybe, something like that, Emmys? yeah. Yeah, and he, he wakes up in bed with uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, with Lois, from his wife from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, I had this dream. I was a drug kingpin, and I was married to this blonde, and, you know, all that shit like that. Basically, they were spoofing Newhart. But, right. Yeah. Yeah, the last list I've been le- reading from was on how to avoid tropes. Like, a list of these tropes and how to avoid them is just, how do you avoid it? Good characterization. Avoid being general. Make your characters actually have personalities and not just fit a category. Don't use cliche dialogue. Ensure your characters have space to grow. Don't make... This is an important one. This is one I've struggled with myself. Don't make your characters a stand-in for the audience. As in, don't just have a character there... So people can explain shit to that character so the audience knows what's going on. Because that makes the character just pointless. They're not. Mm. Like, they're just sitting there like... It's notorious to do this with little kids. Like a kid's there so somebody has to tell the kid what's going on. And I will say this. I've done that with the, the books I'm writing. Where one of my characters is a kid. And at least half the time when, when things are getting explained, someone's explaining it to the kid. I realized this years after I started writing. And I'm like, whoop, no going back now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just have to work with it, just working around it. I'm trying to turn the character into something more than just the audience stand-in. And I think I'm doing a decent job at it. But, man, that was a kick in the crotch when I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's absolutely what I've done. <laughs> you trope writer. And see, that's the point. You can't, can't avoid it. You can't. You're, not, you're never going to get away from it. So that's what I got. Well... Until Tropes Part 3. <laughs> Which we could totally do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I was just, I was going to give you another random trope, and I'm like, uh, we could do this all night. Yeah, we could just keep on going for You want to do some trivia? I got some trivia. Hold on a second. Find my trivia. I'm going to give you, actually, hold on one second. All right. I'm going to give you two Trivial Pursuit cards. Oh! They come from the family edition of Trivial Pursuit from, I believe, 1990. As long as it's not the sports questions, I was always... That was my Achilles heel in Trivial Pursuit. So I'm going to give you two cards. Questions for adults are on the green cards. Questions for children are on the <laughs> yellow cards. And I'm going to see how well you do. Ah, uh, this won't be embarrassing at all. <laughs> Which do you want first? Give me the adult one. Give me the adult. All right. All right. Hold yeah. the and, and, and strong. What meat do Greeks traditionally eat with rose petal jam on Easter? Ah, it's got to be lamb, right? Lamb. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. <laughs> Who was the first entertainer in the Postal Service's Legends of American Music stamp series? Who was the first entertainer? Uh, Elvis? The- Elvis Presley. Yeah. Two for two. What political scandal first heard... And this is in quotes. At this point in time, widely used. What political scandal first heard at this point in time? And remember, this is pre 
Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> what political uh, scandal? I'm just going to say Watergate. Watergate, three yeah. for three. All right. What Toyota luxury car is hyped in ads as the relentless pursuit of perfection? Toyota Corolla? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Toyotas. I Seriously. Uh, well, just think uh, it's Toyota's not in the name. It's like uh, Mercury would be a different line for Ford. This is a different line of car for Toyota. Nothing? I got nothing. Right. I have no idea what other sub-Toyotas there are. Lexus. I had no idea that was Toyota. Well, you do now. I, I guess I do. I learned something. All right, here we go. Ah. What Chicago baseball ah. park is sometimes nicknamed the Friendly Confine? Wrigley Stadium. Wrigley Field. Field. I uh, it- oh, shit. Like, the only one I would know in Chicago anyways. Okay. So there go. What's the diary of a young girl more commonly known as? Um, Anne, Anne Frank. Yep, the diary yeah. of Anne Frank. See, yeah. you did great. Hey, all right. You yeah. uh, you nailed you nailed that card as far as I'm concerned. Fuck yeah! See, now that on was, every time I trade play Trivial Pursuit, that was what I hoped for. That one sports question I kind of maybe knew. There you go, Wrigley Field. That was it. That was it. Okay, now on <laughs> to the children's questions, which I'm probably not gonna get. What West Coast city has one car for every two people, the highest ratio in the world? It's got to be Los Angeles. Los Angeles. All right. Who tells Jiminy Cricket to be Pinocchio's conscience? My the first Blue round. Fairy. Boom! Yeah. You're, you're killing it, dude. <laughs> By the way, I'm still madly in love with her. You, <laughs> you, always, you always remember your first. <laughs> What's That's okay. Your... I got a buddy that obsesses over Ariel, the little mermaid. Yeah. I swear it's not me. It's actually a friend of mine. Yeah, but... okay. Yeah. I've <laughs> got a friend, too. For me, it's, for me it's Jasmine. I, I'm not going to lie. Oh, my, my. little jungle fevery. <laughs> what European country helped Patriots win the American Revolution over England? It's a kid's question? Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's France, but yep. I'm surprised that's a kid's question. My nine-year-old just learned that this yeah. week. What shelled creature is the longest living? Twiddle. Ah. Tortoise. Tortoise. Yes. <laughs> what potato snack do the British often call crisps? Fries. Ah! Oh, chips. Chips. Potato chips. Yeah, that's right. Because they call <laughs> fries. Now, I'm going to ask you to be very specific on this next question. It's the final answer, final question, and I need you to be specific. Okay. Who introduced finger-licking good to the lexicon? Colonel Sanders? Yes. Okay, because... What was I going to say? Check fried chicken or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Bam, you, you nailed <laughs> it, dude. Uh, the kid one actually did a little bit worse than on the grown-up one, I think. Because I, uh, I said the wrong thing twice and had to change myself real quick. Yeah, well, tortoise, turtle, not Wait the same up. thing, but... Yeah, and then I said fries instead of chips. And had to backpedal. Okay, so I have Pac-Man trivia, which I got from the Chive. I get all my trivia from the Chive at this point. I don't know why. I find it interesting. So, Pac-Man, beloved video game from the 80s. Um, so, starting strong, do you know what the original name for Pac-Man was? It sounded very similar, but it wasn't quite Yeah, Pac-Man. yeah, Yeah, it's something like Hungry Man, but it's not. Even closer, like more similar. Like Eat Man, no. It has nothing to do with eating. It's completely separated from that. Mac-Man. Puck-Man. Oh. Puck Man. You know, I kind of knew that. I, I feel like I'd heard it somewhere, but they changed it to Pac-Man 
um, when Bailey Midway picked up the arcade for American audience. They changed it specifically for the American audience for what reason? Say Think, it again. Why would they change it from Pac- from Puck Man to Pac Man because it went to America? What about Americans? They, they would think, assume it was a hockey game. Not quite. Plus, like, it applies to Canada, too. <laughs> I don't know. Because they knew Americans would start saying it was Fuck Man. Oh, come on! <laughs> so they didn't want Americans to call it Fuck Man, so they changed it to Pac Man. So, Pac Man is in the Guinness Book of World Record. What do you think the record is? The title of the record? Most. It is the most successful what? I want to say most highest selling video game but that can't most units shipped not technically so it's the most successful type of game not video game but type of video game i guess like stand-up arcade game it's pretty close the most successful coin game oh well yeah that's pretty I, I get that one to you because that's that's what an arcade stand-up arcade game was right so yes yeah, so the most successful coin game of all time and then <laughs> The power-up ball that allows Pac-Man to eat the ghosts is inspired by what other cartoon character, or what cartoon character eating what something else? Pizza? Yeah, that, not really. It's like cartoon character eating something and getting powerful. Popeye. Popeye eating spinach. There you go. That was a softball pitch. Eh, it wasn't, yeah, I don't know. It's difficult enough. So, this one you're probably not going to get, but I found it interesting enough, so I'm going to throw it out there. Pac-Man has no ending, but a computer programming integer overflow makes which level the technical end because it's just impossible to clear <sighs> i know this it's like 250 you're so close you're like almost there yeah it's like it's like 253 or something like that 250 something 256 this this i would be interested to see this they said because of the way the computer's programmed the how fast things get yeah and you cannot beat the 256 level Having said that, I guarantee you there's somebody out there that claims they can beat that. Just like uh, in Tetris, I think it's like level 78 or 83. Right, or I was, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Like that, was that the uh, Agony of Ecstasy or whatever? Yes. That documentary where you got that guy with, he had like twitchy thumbs or something, but 10 yep. I don't know. But he could do something like that insanely high level that almost nobody in the world can get. Right. It, yeah, it's it's the top level of Tetris that nobody can get past him. In the documentary, they're like, they track this guy down, and they right. get him, and they're like, and he said he wouldn't do it on camera, but then he does, and like, he actually ends up doing it on camera. As like a post-credit stinger. Boom. Aha! <laughs> that, that, man, that documentary was actually, you wouldn't think so, but that was a really cool documentary. It was all yeah. about Tetris. like The, the Ecstasy the, uh, of Order, right? Maybe that's what it was, yeah. The Ecstasy of Order. Um, and it was just, like... Not only just watching all these people compete and training for it, but the story of this guy named guy named Thor, weirdly enough, who did these competitions when he was a kid. And he at one point he said that his family was going through financial difficulties and his money from winning competitions was the only thing keeping them from being homeless and shit. Like mm-hmm. it was actually a fascinating fucking thing. It was a really good documentary. Oh, and uh just as an added caveat, during the two hundred fifty five beatable levels if you eat every dot, power pellet, fruit, and enemy, you reach. Uh, you can get three million three hundred thirty-three thousand three hundred sixty points. So there mm-hmm. you go. Yep, highest score. That's supposed to be technically the high. I really want to look that up though to see if somebody claims to beat the two hundred fifty-six level. So Impossible. Ah, uh, 
not humanly possible, but some aliens have come down, invaded America. From the Revolutionary Pac-Man. War. That's right. Alien. There it is. <laughs> Here's a trope for you, the awkward silence when nobody knows what to say. Actually, this won't sound like silence. Yeah, it's not going to be silence. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. At any point in time when we've been silent, when we've been looking <laughs> something up, nobody will know. People listening goes, man, these guys flow so well. They just know what to say every second. That's right. Yes. We do. Little do they know. It's all studio magic. <laughs> I just walked Witchcraft. away from the computer for like a minute. <laughs> yeah. There was so many gaps in sound where I was like looking for shit on that webpage. Like, what the fuck? Where is it? But knowing I can't mumble or else I'm going to ruin the whole effect. All right. I think I'm going to go uh, grab some Zs. All righty. So who are you? Oh, God. I didn't even think about it. Ah, I didn't even... I put zero effort into it. We're doing um, our own trope. We're our own stinger here. You got nothing. We didn't say anything that was, like, super crude. I know. It's shame. Shame, I say. Just say oh. something non-sequitur crude. Just say something messed up right now. Uh, I am Tom Angry Molester Tree. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Saying, dip me in your Monday milk. Oh, cabin in the woods. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted... That was... The reason why I came it, I arrived there, was when we were talking about tropes, I wanted to talk about a movie that is like an homage. It's all tropes, yeah. The tropes. Can we, can, let, let's just, <laughs> time travel back to the middle of the episode and just bring up the fact that Cabin in the Woods is one of the best movies ever. Mm-hmm. And if you have not seen that movie, go watch it. It is a... The entire thing is all horror movie tropes. It's the entire thing from start to finish. If, if For you're a reason. fan of horror movies, you should watch it. If you're a fan of comedy, you should watch it. It is the ultimate horror movie as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. And I won't say another word past that other than if you have ever thought of a trope, this movie has somehow woven it in in some way to <laughs> perform. I am Tom, angry molesting tree with a mistake. <laughs> Dip me in your Monday milk. And I guess I am. I said it wrong. I am Bob, um, time traveling, self impregnating Scully. <laughs> saying, Oak Nuggets! Oak Nuggets! <laughs> bye bye. Sorry, bye.